0: Whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, your Wednesday edition. Like I said, when this school year started, guys, I'm going to try to do podcasts when I can. Incredibly busy. But when I have the chance to get our series regular on the show, I have to take it. Jackson Malone, for those who don't know, JEM Live host on YouTube. Does NFL film analysis? Just put out a video on Patriots cornerback Jack Jones. We'll be talking about the Patriots in a second. I got words for him. I got words, brother. (laughs) Jackson, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing great man it has been far too long I wish we could go back into the past the last time I was on here week one just finished up if we could talk to our past selves and tell us everything that's happened up to this point I don't think we would have believed each other because I mean just nothing makes sense but that's exactly what we're going to dive into and that's why the NFL is the best sport in the world you never know what's going to happen week to week and it keeps us on our toes but glad to be back.
0: If we had said week one when we made our podcast that the Giants will be 6-1, and the Eagles will be undefeated, and Brady and Rodgers will both be under 500, we'd be like, okay, we need to probably choose a different profession there. But (laughs) you know what? We are not starting there. We are starting. So today, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the Monday Night Football reaction with the Bears and the Patriots. We're going to talk about. How coaching can be kind of an equalizer in the NFL and how parody has really taken form this year, especially this year. And I mentioned Rodgers and Brady. When they're under 500, people talk. So will we. So, Jackson, I want to get your thoughts immediately on Monday Night Football. So, the Bears took down the Patriots 33 to 14, ran all over them. Justin Fields played probably art. I think you could argue his best game, best game as a pro against a coach that is taught, that is. The rookie destroyer and normally gives quarterbacks fits, especially when they're new in the NFL. Justin Fields isn't necessarily a rookie, but he's still technically a really young quarterback, really inexperienced. He had his best day as a bear. They couldn't. The Patriots had no answer for him. What were your thoughts on it last night? I, I, the quarterback situation, there's so many angles you can take from what many people thought would be a lackluster game.
1: Well, no, you're exactly right. And I know Justin Fields isn't a rookie quarterback, but Bill Belichick extends beyond that because I saw going into the game, Bill Belichick in Foxborough home game versus first or second year starting quarterbacks, 43 and three. And... (laughs) And this this is not one of those juggernaut second year quarterback teams like we had Joe Burrow and the Bengals last year. Like this is a really struggling Chicago Bears team. And another thing that you don't don't ever see with Patriots teams is when a team goes in and they have an identity. And it's with the Bears, it's we're gonna run the ball. The Patriots are the best of taking your primary source of what you're trying to do in a game. And so I am so fortunate. I live in the great state of Florida, legalized game sports gambling has hasn't happened yet because I would have put my entire life savings. This was the game lock of the year, bad weather in Foxboro. Oh. Patriots look like on their up and up. Chicago Bears just come off a loss to the commies, like everything was going wrong. And the game wasn't even close. It wasn't even close on every single metric because you see teams win games, uh, whether it's close or far, and especially when it's a much better team versus a much worse team, you're expecting some muff punts, some really unlucky interceptions, but that wasn't the case at all. The Bears dominated on both sides of the ball. The Patriots going into this game were giving up 119 rush yards. They almost doubled that. The Bears had 243 rushing yards. They were 11 of 18 on third downs they won the turnover battle four to one had 14 more minutes of uh possession it wasn't even close they couldn't do anything to stop them and I'm sure we're gonna get into the big thing a little bit later here with what they were doing on offense because obviously the most important position on offense was one of the most like kind of like inorganic clunky transitions I've ever seen, which is just not what I would expect with the Patriots. So I just want to kind of focus on the bears and just kind of highlight how weird this game was. And because we say, we don't know what to expect in the NFL, but you can expect if anything that bill Belichick and the Patriots would go out and dominate a game like this, especially in primetime.
0: Yeah. And I think the conversation, and we're going to get into that in a second is going to be surrounding Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, that transition that you Regarded as clunky, and I completely agree with that. But let's you, you're absolutely right on there. You can't take this win away from Chicago, and how many have been saying this could be kind of that mon- monumental organizational thing, saying, "Hey, we just beat the Patriots. There's still that brand recognition is still out there with Belichick, and going into Foxborough, going into what was a really crappy environment in terms of weather, it was damp, foggy, it was cold. It w- it had all the ingredients for a Patriots blowout, and then when you bring in Bailey Zappi. And he comes in and leads two back to, what, back-to-back scoring drives. You're like, I think I texted you. I was like, oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. The zappening. <laughs> the zapping. I, so, I, I was so into it. But at the back of my mind, I was like, this, this doesn't feel like New England's pulled away. And then snap your fingers. And Chicago's up 23-14. to 14. And the hype for Bailey Zappia kind of started to die down. Two interceptions, stand in the game, and a fumble lost. <sighs> but you know what? We got to talk about the decision. Mac Jones, three drives, two, three and outs, and an interception. My personal theory I think Mac was not 100% healthy and that they rushed him back out. And once the tide was turning, the crowd was booing. It felt like Belichick made an impulse decision to put Zappy in, who was keeping the offense going. And I think it just, it, once you fall on that sword, it's tough to get back up. This is an interesting situation that the Patriots have put themselves in.
1: No, you're exactly right. And so with quarterback transitions, it happens all the time. We see backups, we see rookies, we see people come in and take over the starting jobs, whether it's injury, they come in and start playing really well. But this was so inorganic because they said, okay, Mac Jones is good enough to play and they gave him three drives like his leash was so short it's like you look at any quarterback in NFL history they're gonna have a span of three bad drives so what makes no sense to me is now you have awkwardness because next week are you putting out Zappy and Matt or Mac Jones and when it's so unclear there's no it's already hard enough to win and when you have that going on on top of it it's just so hard to deal with and so I think one or two things should have happened they should have either let Mac Jones go out there and let's say he struggles the entire game then you get your whole team you get the fan base maybe they're booing the entire game and now everyone's happy and bill belichick can make an announcement saying hey we're moving for zappy this point moving forward or you say hey bailey zappy's playing really well right now we've won two games in a row we look better than we ever had this season we're gonna ride the hot hand we're gonna give mac jones a little bit more time to rest three weeks coming off I've had so many high ankle springs. Three They're weeks tough. is quick to come back to play, especially at an NFL level. So now you have Mac Jones go out there, rush him out, not give him any sort of leeway to do it. And then you put Zappy in. And the only way this works out is if Zappi goes out and kills it and wins a huge game, but that didn't happen. And so now what? Now we're we putting Mac Jones back in there. I just feel like it was so inorganic and, Like we see the Colts, they just bench Matt Ryan and they went out and said, We're riding with Sam Ellinger from this point on to the rest of the season. So whether that's a good decision or not, I'm not exactly sure, but at least you're committed to something. A team, a franchise can go ahead and hop in behind it. But when you're going out there and drive to drive, the fans don't know, the team doesn't know. And from what I heard, the coaches didn't even know. This was Bill Belichick. I saw in his post-game presser, he was talking about, it was his idea that he was kind of wanting to play both quarterbacks, but he didn't tell anyone. Bailey Zappi thought he was starting up until kickoff. Mac Jones didn't even know that he was had a chance to get pulled out. Like it was all over the place and it just makes no sense. And again, what I was saying with this Bears team and how they won on the offensive side of the ball internally, this is so unlike the new England Patriots.
0: Yeah. It's very wishy-washy. And I think Belichick was, I think trying to be too smart, trying to kind of play the play to his hand, be like, Oh, I can be this crafty. I can wait to the last minute to make this kind of decision there's so many unanswered questions because they're not going to tell us everything. They're not going to tell us if Mac Jones rushed back himself or he insisted, Hey, I'm good when he really wasn't. And he's not, maybe he's at 75% when he's should be probably at hundred percent to play the position, especially when you're riding that two game win streak. There's so many unanswered questions. So sitting in these next three games where you play the jets who are riding high, we'll talk about them in a second, the Colts who, while they still have Sam Ellinger, there's a very solid roster built around them. And then they play the Jets again at home in Gillette. So these next three games are crucial to whether you want to make the playoffs or you want to be a a top pick in the NFL draft. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And I think this was, this is bad timing for new England, but it's not over necessarily yet, but I'm very concerned at the, just because that's your franchise guy Mac Jones, you draft him in the first round for a reason you invested in him, take him. He takes you to the playoffs. I, I, I told all my friends and buddies, Said, hey, this would be a different conversation if Jones struggled last year. If he if he struggled, right. he struggles into this second year, and then Bailey Abbey comes in and it's like this new transition and actually legitimate quarterback play, but then yeah, there's a discussion to be had. But Mac Jones was fine last year, and we saw what he what he can do and he's 100 healthy. So there's see, a lot. I don't
1: I don't even necessarily know if that's true, just because with what the Patriots did in the past, it was right, a yeah. much bigger deal. I mean, I don't I wasn't necessarily like I'm. Younger, I was learning to walk while the whole Brady Bledsoe thing was going on, but, but Drew Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He was like pro bowler, all pro, took him to the playoffs, like all of this stuff. So putting in Tom Brady over Drew Bledsoe was a bigger deal and more probably more shock value than putting in zappy over a one year starter and Mac Jones. But I still think it's a bigger deal what they did last night, just because there wasn't any sort of confusion like 20 years ago, because yeah. that's exactly what they did. They said, Hey, we're riding with Brady, even though it was like, wow, there was no confusion in it.
0: Right. I I did listen to somebody connected to that situation. And what I, what I listened to and read saying that Bledsoe probably had the worst camp of his life and that Brady was out playing him. And then he goes into those first couple games. They say play the worst game against the Jets, and then Brady comes in and delivers that hot hand. So, yeah, there's still that discrepancy there. They, like, every, every situation is different. It's just this yeah. one is wacky, Jackson. It's wacky. So weird. So weird. But let's, uh, let's, let's take the next step. Let's, let's start talking about some, some competent stuff that's happening in yes. the NFL. <laughs> Please. Um, okay. NFL coaches, I, I think there's there's a laundry list of guys that can do it. There's a laundry list of guys that can't, and there are four teams that I want to focus on in specific: the, the Lions, not the Lion. Well, I still like Daniel. The Jets, the Falcons. Ouch. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> Jets, Falcons. I want to focus on the the Giants. We're six and one. So the Jets, Seahawks, Falcons, and the Giants. Those four teams, all four of them, in my mind at the beginning of the year, I picked to finish dead last, or at least close to it. The Giants and the NFC East, eh, maybe with commanders, not so much, but not make the playoffs. The Falcons yep. dead last with that roster. Um, the Seahawks with the rebuilding and Geno Smith drew Locke. I was like, okay, dead last. And you have the um, the Jets dead last with, with yep. the AFC East that continues to get better. I, I, I got to say, I have been proven wrong, and I'm so happy that I have been. You got Robert Sala, who's been playing – Who's really led this team to buy in, and even with Zach Wilson, who I'm not completely bought in on, they're five and two. They're winning football games. You have the Falcons, who have probably one of the worst rosters in the NFL, and they're making it work. They're three and four, but they're making it work. The Seahawks, four and three, making it work. Just beat a quality Chargers team. Then you have the Giants. What what the hell? <laughs> Six and one with Daniel Jones and company. Saquon has had a career renaissance. Dayball's gotten his guys to buy in from day one. Jackson, what are your thoughts on all these these teams? And has coaching, and especially this year, been that equalizer to certain teams like the Chiefs or the Bills, that a team that's so well coached can be that equalizer to talent at such a high level?
1: Yeah, I definitely think this year we're seeing a lot of that. And I think that's kind of the case every year. And I didn't know exactly where you wanted to go with this because yeah. we want to make this organic. And so the way I kind of took this, because when you kind of like sent me the teams that you were like interested in talking about, we look at Bob Sala with the Jets. Artie Smith with the Falcons, Brian Dable uh, with the Giants, second year head coach, second year head coach, first year head coach. And then let's throw in the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel, first year head coach out of the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll's been there forever. Yeah. So but that's kind of what's the most interesting thing to me, because I think the narrative for so long is you get a brand new head coach and you're like, okay, give him a few years to get his players, build a culture, build the locker room, kind of buy in and then you get that. I think these guys coming out and doing what they're doing is proving that narrative completely wrong. And I think a lot of teams and a lot of coaches are going to get fired because of it, because what they're doing, and I think you're absolutely right, because with these teams, when they go up against opponents roster wise, they are completely outmatched and outgunned. But what I think these teams or what these coaches have been able to still, especially teams like the Giants, Jets and Falcons, is they have no ego. I don't think that Zach Wilson has been playing particularly amazing. Daniel Jones hasn't been playing amazing. He doesn't have nearly any I, – I feel like I could go play wide receiver for the Giants. <laughs> He's not throwing to anyone. They're stuck with horrible contracts. And so Brian Dable, a great coach coming from Buffalo, he comes over and says, okay – What we're not going to do, I'm not going to turn you into Josh Allen because that's not the kind of team we have. We're going to lean into Saquon Barkley. We're going to build into our offensive line. We're going to run the ball. Daniel Jones, we're going to put you in position to rush 80 yards a game. That's what we're going to do. Zach Wilson, you're going to throw it 10 to 20 times a game, and we're going to win games. So on the flip side of this, we look at some other coaches. First-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Second-year head coach, Brandon Staley. I would say out of the Jets, Giants, uh, and Falcons, Broncos and Chargers, significantly better rosters. These coaches are getting the most out of them, not having an ego. And I think on the flip side of this, these two coaches are hurting their teams immensely. They're going out, they're throwing the ball 45 times a game with Russell Wilson. Brandon Staley is consistently losing games, and the plays you need to make—I mean, the Giants or the uh, yeah—the Giants going out, taking a safety, using their timeouts well, not panicking when they need to make a play at the goal line they have that play they're gonna go to their best players that's not what these other coaches are doing so I think it's so so important like we mentioned but outside of Pete Carroll who I don't, I don't know if you wanted to touch on I know I really yeah. didn't speak on him but these first and second year head coaches that are coming in with these less rosters are really kind of amplifying like how important coaching actually is and I think it's shining a light on some of these other coaches like Nathaniel Hackett like a brand or like a brandon staley it's like d- your rosters are really really good and your ego i think is getting in the way and bringing your team down
0: yeah there's that old saying that the hole is greater than the sum of its parts and that you're taking teams like new york atlanta uh the jets and they're saying well we're gonna we we can't we're not it's not realistic we're not gonna turn zach wilson into texas a&m johnny Manziel. we're not gonna turn marcus Mariota into oregon marcus Mariota. we're going to work with what we got and we're going to amplify what their strengths are we're going to run the football well we're going to use kyle pitts occasionally when we're going to give him his first united states touchdown we haven't talked about that uh uh, finally becomes an american football player but uh then you have the uh, you have the giants who said saquon we 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 draft them for a reason why might as well use them and you and the Wildcat, which never works. It works with them. Daniel Jones making, not necessarily going out and throwing for 300 yards a game, but making throws when he has to. Not asking him to do too much and make mistakes. I think his turnovers are significantly down, and they're just playing good football. We've seen a lot of good football this year, Jackson. In terms of just these other these teams, that are, the expectations aren't as high, but they're really playing to the details. They're really playing to their strengths, and I. I think with with Seattle, they have one of probably more talented roster than the teams we've mentioned because they got DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker's an emerging star. They've drafted really well. All these teams so, are drafting really well, too. That's something we have to. I mean, the Jets probably one of the better drafts. Sauce Gardner, potential defensive defensive rookie of the year. Uh, the cheese head on him. I love Sauce. Yeah. Even as a Patriots fan, you can't help but respect Sauce Gardner and what he's done for that yep. that secondary. They're drafting well, and it's you're starting to see those like plans come to fruition and it's really satisfying to see, even if you're not a fan of these teams, you're just like happy to see these teams kind of put it all together in a sense. And and you really see, like, I want to focus in on like the New
1: York teams, like the giants and the jets specifically, because in years past, I, uh, out of the, out of the, Giants 13 losses last year, six of them were by 20 points or more, and 11 of them were by two possessions. That just doesn't happen. These bad teams get blown out. And why that happens is I see it with my Lions. What we are, we're a running team. What we do, we get down two possessions. We start throwing the crap out of the ball with Jared Goff. That's not us. That's not our identity. And it just compiles and snowballs. I think out of the Giants' six wins, I, I think at least four of them have to be from 10 point deficits but they've bought in. Brian Dable says, no, stay it. We're going to get our best players the ball. We're going to do what we do best. And even though we're down 10, we're not going to go away from the run game because in years past, they get down. They start throwing the ball with Daniel Jones, get very one-dimensional. The Jets, they get down. They've had some huge comeback wins. That one against the Browns was insane. They Mm -hmm. stuck to who they were. They were like, Saquon. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, we're going to run the ball through you guys. And they do it. They get them. They put their players in the best position to win. And there's no panic. These bad teams get blown out in the past. So not only are they going out and just like dominating games, they're not. They're going out and playing their brand, their style of football consistently for four quarters. And then the good coaching is when you need to play, these bad teams are making them. When it when yeah. the NFL game comes down to like four or five plays, you can think of teams like the Bucks, the Packers, the Ravens. They're gonna go out and make those four to five plays, the fourth down, the goal line. But now it's these teams that are making it, and it's it's wild to watch. But I, I like I'm so glad you wanted to bring up this topic because I think it is so important when we can like highlight all these players. The coaches have really done so much. Obviously, the players are going out there and executing it. But I don't think it can be said enough with what these young coaches are doing. Young.
0: Yeah. A lot of these guys young. are young too. They're, they're probably they're, uh,
1: trying to like, you feel like the need to prove something, but that's like the furthest thing. They're like, we don't need to
0: prove anything. We're going to do us. And it's working. I mean, they're doing a heck of a job up and it's, it's a great time to be a football fan. If you're, if you're from the New York state area, cause you got, even, even though they play in New Jersey, they are classified as the New York teams, <laughs> but you love to see what they're doing and it's impressive. And I don't think we can really call them bad teams anymore because they're playing. I mean, Six and one and five and two is hard to do. And yeah. we'll see if that holds through that this next stretch. So I think I looked at the Giants' schedule and they can very well go. I think nine and two is what I put it as they were playing. Well, They're playing some really just teams that I, when I, when they started three and I think it was three and O oh or three and one, I was kind of like, yeah, well, it's still, it's still the giants. I'm not sure yet. And then they played the Packers who will that win might not mean as much anymore, which we'll talk about. And then they played the Ravens with, I thought, okay, this was the game where, this the talent is going That's why I got the idea is this talent with Lamar Jackson should. Yeah, it should be that balancing. The balance should stop. Yeah, it's to stop there. And Lamar did. The Ravens do what they do and blow leads, but the Giants were able to capitalize, play their style of football. Thibodeau crying after the game, I was like, Man, I gotta talk about
1: this. (laughs) Well, they they said he didn't care about football going to the draft. That's I'm not listening to anything anymore. But I think, (laughs) I think, I think think you're right. Like when you said we can't call them bad teams anymore, I don't think you can because how many times, I mean, you as a Patriots fan, how many times have you look at a New England roster and be like, Man, okay, like our team on paper isn't that good. How many times have you seen the Steelers be like, all right, our team isn't that good, but they come away with winning seasons.
0: Like, guess how many times I've looked at that New England receiving core and been extremely Jeez. underwhelmed? I think every I know. season. <laughs> yes, I know. No disrespect to, like, Julian Edelman, but, like, you see Hopkins <laughs> and Metcalf <Matt laughs> and Mike Williams and those guys, and you're like, you're just like, man, I'm so underwhelmed. Even with the yeah. guys we have now, have you seen the – Unlike Aguilar video, and I can't I can't rant about New England and their 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 their, their <laughs> roster because they're making it work. They're three and four. I still have faith. But these young coaches, man, make NFL make these games exciting. I, I'm no longer having these windows where I'm like, man, I gotta I, I could I could I could fall asleep for an hour right now and be fine. No, I'm glued in. Yeah, I'm locked in. and I'm ready to go. Even teams that are real. I, this isn't a segment to say that even if you have a really underwhel- underwhelming roster, that it's going to work out just fine. Because that's not really reality, because there are teams like Cincinnati who have a great roster, Kansas City who have a great roster, Buffalo. Notice how I listed them all in the, the AFC. Minnesota's yeah. got a great roster, but a young yep. head coach who's- yeah. made- oh, oh, another one, Kevin O'Connell. There we go. Kevin O'Connell's made made that that roster work, yeah. but he's also a genius coming from the McVay tree. But yeah, there's, just, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a football fan. I think that if you can take anything away from this topic, guys, that you're listening to, is that the NFL has really been fun this year. The parity has been strong. There's a lot of teams in the middle. I mean, there's Kansas City and Buffalo up here and mm-hmm. Philadelphia, if you want to put them in that. There's a lot of Dolphins. good teams. Dolphins, when Tua's not brain dead, there's a lot of good teams. I'm, say, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's, it's how it is, Jackson. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Tua didn't deserve that. It's not Tua on Tua. Didn't. It's not on Tua. But th- that's for another time. <laughs> that's for another time. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. But uh, Jackson, do you, do you have any lasting thoughts before we get onto these uh, the, the fall of the goats? Do we wanna call it that?
1: I think it's I think it's fitting that we're uh, sandwiching our topics between bad football, good football, bad well, football. So part of the the I Jackson, didn't know if that was
0: It's part of the man with the plan sandwich. We just we stick it all together. There's all that good in the middle. <laughs> and we're about to talk about some bad football. Cause holy cow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but so I would say lasting thought is when because when when I did leave off Pete Carroll, because I think it is such an anomaly, because when we look at when we look at coaches that have been at a team for 10 plus years, like we don't have many. We have Belichick, we have Tomlin, we have Carroll, we have Reed, uh, that I
0: don't don't think there's that, that,
1: that literally might be it. Like there is so much turnaround, but I really think with how these people are performing, like, they're setting themselves up to be coaches that can prove and they're going to adapt. It's not like the giants are always going to be a running team because Brian Dable showed their offense looks significantly different before and after they got Stefan Diggs. they were able to grow and adapt as things change. So not only are they doing it right now, but let's say Daniel Jones, isn't a QB for the future. Maybe they go ahead and pick someone up. They get some the Giants have no receivers. Like if we like, I know you can't like pull up graphics or anything, but like I can't. They don't have
0: anyone. Like I think if, if I if they if start, I a, if I had a graphics team and we are like in a studio right now, I'd have some like producer pull up the giant statistics up on the screen just to mm. just to see it because it's it's yeah. probably in like the bottom tier of the NFL. Oh like, yeah, Mondale but Robinson, they... Davis Stills, or something like that. Like it's bad. It's yeah. bad. But let's yeah, uh, but... let's let's get to the. Rogers Brady section before we uh run out of time here but man i did not see you know how when you have Aaron Rodgers you have Tom Brady you're, you're putting him at the top of the lot the brady right. with the bucks his last ride we think going through a lot we're not going to touch on it just cuz it's personal uh Aaron Rodgers life without Devonte Adams how is he going to react to it still mm. thinking hey it's Rodgers and Brady they'll make it work and it it really hasn't jackson the buccaneers can't run the football brady's having to do a lot and his greatest asset is his mind, and he's, is, he's elsewhere right now. And it's not his fault. It's just, it's life. And Rogers is kind of having to, Rogers isn't a guy to wrap your, he's not going to wrap your arms around you. He's not going to be willing to be patient with these guys. These rookie receivers are frustrating for him. I mean, you can yeah. panda pan his face during the, the commanders game, and he's saying WTF or like, come on, and probably not saying come on, but
1: yeah, what are you thought Something on these like guys? that.
0: Something, something, probably egregious. But what, are, what are your thoughts on these, these two quarterbacks, kind of struggling? And, and it's for Brady. We, I think we know it's his last year. It, it's got to be. And for Rodgers, we'll, we'll figure oh, that out. I it's don't like, know. I, you think he'd end on a year like this? I don't know if you can come back from like. There's, there's just a I mean, lot of mess right now with Brady.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, at this point, I'd be shocked. If this is last year because, I mean. He's not really going, I mean, if he wants to take the Fox job, but like, all right, we're not getting personal, but let me, let let me, let me hit on Rogers first, because I think their biggest problem is one thing and you kind of hit on it. Um, But it's a lot of things, especially with this Packers team. It is a lot of things. Their defense was supposed to be amazing. They've been playing poor special teams, abysmal. You hit on it earlier. Miscommunications, slopping poor play calling. Aaron Jones, AJ Jones or AJ Dillon not getting the ball nearly enough. Mm-hmm. But what I think it really comes down to when you watch how let's just focus on not the team as a whole, but Rodgers and Brady with their offense. Yes. I see these two quarterbacks as three down guys. They're not they're They can, they're not known for taking these big chunk plays, but what they do, they kill you by breaking down a defense, knowing exactly, being highly accurate, and not taking penalties, getting the ball out quick, and you get positive play, positive play. You're in a third and two, third and three, third and four. That is how they've done it their entire career. That's how they win games. So we get to third, two, three, four, five, six. No more Devontae Adams. We look at the Bucs Super Bowl team. No Rob Gronkowski, no Antonio Brown, no Rojo. Those are the three biggest guys that he went to on third downs. When you don't have that, we're seeing three and outs and it feels weird. It feels awkward to watch the Packers go three and out. Mm-hmm. But when we think about them losing Devante Adams, I think everyone focuses on, yeah, he's going to give you a hundred yards and a touchdown seemingly every single game. But what he did for this team overall is every single third down, that's where he was going. And to stop him, you had to allocate so many resources over to him where everything else became so much easier. And are you, losing Antonio Brown and Gronk for Tom Brady, like Antonio Brown was kind of like his Edelman, kind of like just win your one-on-one matchup quick. They don't have that anymore. They're not gonna be pushing down the ball down the field like a ton. And so not only on top of poor defensive play, sport, poor special teams play, miscommunications with the receivers they have, their drives are stalling because they consistently are getting in these third and manageable situations and then punting the ball, they lost their guys. And I know it seems like so like kind of like easy to like point out, but that's what it really comes down to is it's not a ball about the grand overall stats or all the touchdowns. They when they get down there, they can score touchdowns regardless it's third downs because we're seeing the time of possession in these games being so incredibly lopsided because they can't stay on the field because they're so methodical and these three down quarterbacks and they lost their third down guys.
0: Yeah, also like something that I think you alluded to as well is that it kind of, when it, you have to allocate so many resources, other matchups start to open up and you have yeah. a safety having to draw down to go cover Gronk with a corner, or you have Antonio Brown, who was still one of the best receivers at, at hit. When Antonio Brown's at his best, he's a top receiver in the league, or Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver. You got to mm-hmm. allocate so much to him, and you got to allocate like a, almost like a half of the field to him to just cover him and make sure he yeah. can't impact the game. Cause you're like, we can't let him beat us. We can't let Gronk beat us. We can't let Devonte Adams beat us. And so now when it's kind of having to figure it out and be creative, it gets tricky. It gets tricky to try to f- game plan without you're basically, it's like a, cl- it's like a crutch. You get so used to having it that once it's gone, you're, it's kind of like when you break your arm or something and you go to open the door and you're like, Oh, I got to do it with my non-dominant. It's kind of, it's weird. You're not used to it because yeah. you you take it for granted. So it's kind of a weird – it's a weird process. And it's at a much bigger level with professional football rather than me breaking my like femur – for like bringing my fibula for football. Yeah. It's painful.
1: Yeah. And, and I just don't think – because I, I made a video in the offseason, which I think is holding very true up until this point. I think Devontae Adams – I think their offense could have looked – had the potential to look even better if they changed. But they're not changing. They're yeah. continually to neglect the run. The Buccaneers have – With a 45-year-old quarterback, I know he's the GOAT and everything, 45-year-old quarterback, he's thrown it the most times out of anyone in the league. Can't do that. Can't Can't do that, that. especially when your offensive and all your wide receivers have just been riddled with injuries all year long. You haven't had Godwin, Mike Evans, or Julio Jones on the field at the same time, more than like half a football game. (laughs) So... Like if and if it really does become tough when you're not running the football well, but you can't really say that about the Packers because when Aaron Jones gets his touches, he's averaging
0: like five, six yards a carry. Like you gotta feed him. That's what they did in the New England game. They ran the ball well and they won the game. It set exactly. up, it opened things up. So it's just they got those teams got a lot of ground to cover. Luckily in the NFC, you can do that because it's not as it's not as loaded as unless you're in the NFC East. But unfortunately. Oh all the time we have for today, Jackson, I want to thank you and guys go subscribe to his channel. He's probably going to reach 20,000 subscribers by the time this is uploaded onto YouTube (laughs) tomorrow morning, but guys, thank you so much for listening. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever your podcast stay tuned for just I'll, I'll update on general on Twitter just depends on trips, travel plans, what games are being covered once football season ends, expect some really fun interviews. I promise you, and you'll see this guy at least once or twice before the season wraps up. So guys, thank you. As always, this was episode one Oh six of the man with the plan podcast. Go subscribe to JM live, or I'm going to, I'm going to be upset with you. <laughs> you guys. Have a great day and take care.